What do you think today is all about? I mean, I could be asking that question in general. What do you think today, Sunday presumably, is all a bit about for you? Is it just an opportunity to rest, to break, to have nothing happening in you or around you preparing for what lies ahead? Specifically, I could be asking about this sermon. What's the purpose? What's the point for you, do you think? This is the last sermon in our series on the Book of Acts. So perhaps your expectations are that it's just a little bit of a filler, that we've gotten to the end of the book, perhaps I'll be able to draw out a few nice sentiments from it, but really what you're waiting for is the next series to start. Or is it, you know, sort of what I imagine is quite common, that Sundays and sermons on a Sunday become just this little morsel of food that we take that's supposed to tide us over for the next week. Perhaps, this might be a slightly more niche case, actually sermons on a Sunday sitting by your computer, by your phone, whatever it is to listen to this, is just your way of assuaging a little bit of guilt for not having taken God seriously throughout the week. No, Lord, it's your day. I'm going to meet digitally with your people I genuinely think that it's more than that, though. We're in the final story in the book of Acts. We're in the final tale in the drama that has been Paul, the great missionary, the great um, apostle, the evangelist. Last week, JP brought us through storms on the way to Rome via shipwreck on the island of Malta. And we pick things up today in Acts 28, verse 11. All right genuinely think that by the time we get to the end of it we'll see that there there's the chance for it to be so much more than we expect so much more than we give it credit for acts chapter 28 verse 11 after three months on malta we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island it was an alexandrian ship with a figurehead of the twin gods castor and pollux we put in a sucros and stayed there for three days. From there we set sail and we arrived at Regium. The next day the south wind came up and on the following day we reached Petoli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. So we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming and they travelled as far as the Forum of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. The sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days after arriving in Rome, he called together all the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me, but because I was not guilty of any crime deserving of death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and to talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we've not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. 
but we want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking about this sect. So they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others wouldn't believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave Paul after he had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth about our ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. It might not strike you on first reading, but this is the continuation of Paul's wasted years. If you add up all the various times that are described in the last couple of chapters of the book of Acts, you'll see that it's been nearly five years in total since Paul was arrested back in Jerusalem. Five years where he's been off mission. Five years where at best you could say his mission has been postponed. We know what Paul's mission is. We read about it earlier in the book of Acts. He's described it on a couple of occasions since to various people. He was commissioned by Christ himself to be this one who would take the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. That he would be the one who would speak that light, that life into darkness and death and see results. And we've read so many stories from Paul doing that very thing. Hard stories, yes, but encouraging stories, haven't they? Where he's been to this place and to that place and, and constantly the refrain has been that people believed. Some rejected, many rejected, but people believed. And the word of God flourished and the kingdom of God grew and the churches multiplied. Paul was commissioned by God for this really important special task. He was equipped and empowered by God. And we've seen time and time again when Paul was out and about doing his thing, the results were phenomenal. So we're at the end now of five years of what? Five years off mission, five years at best mission postponed. Two years in Caesarea while Felix was waiting for his bribe. Then that journey to Rome we were thinking about last week. It was a long uh, journey in any case, but made even longer by the weather and the shipwreck and having to uh, winter in Malta. And now at last in Rome, did you read that? For two years. Two years he was stuck there in this place that he had to pay for by his own buck and where he was chained to a personal guard. Two years at least before he got 
to meet Caesar, before he got to defend himself before Caesar and to be set free once more to proclaim the gospel. Five years at least before Paul was able to do the thing that, that Christ had told him on another occasion specifically that he would go and he would speak before the emperor of the whole world about the hope of Jesus. What a waste. When you stop and you think about it, what a waste. Here's like the hottest property in all of Christianity. Here's like the most empowered, impactful, wonderful, winsome evangelist you can imagine. Someone who we now, 2,000 years later, hold in such high esteem and high regard. And for five years, perhaps in his prime, he's locked up. He's chained up. He's not free to go around and to do the thing that God had commissioned him to do. What a waste. We know how productive Paul could be. And this, if only, we might say, what might have been, if only he didn't have those chains around his wrists, that he had the freedom to go where the Spirit inspired him and, and led him. We know that happens in his life that he had plans to go into certain places, but the Spirit said, no, not there today, let's go this way. If only he could have gotten before the emperor sooner rather than later. Perhaps we'd have seen and experienced something like what happened in Daniel's time, when Daniel stood before Nebuchadnezzar and, and these wonderful proclamations were made by the, the emperors in Babylon. That the God who Daniel served was the God of the whole world. Imagine that, Paul, before the emperor, sharing his hope, the emperor saved, and the proclamation going out in the whole known world that the God who is found and met in Jesus is God above all. If only, what a waste that that could not have been the case. Of course, perhaps some of you are thinking, rightly so that I'm talking nonsense. Because it's not right, is it? It's not right to describe this time as a waste. We shouldn't expect times like this to be wasted because we should expect in the economy of Christ's kingdom that nothing is ever put to waste. Remember how Jesus described his kingdom his economy, the way things work in his world compared to how things work in the world that we're used to, the world that we're trained to live in, our expectations set by what we think should always happen. In Matthew's Gospel, we read this. Jesus spoke to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. After all, what good will it be for someone to gain even the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their own soul? The Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, Jesus says. It's not what you expect. Whoever loses their life for me 
will find it. We spoke about this previously in the book of Acts, how everything in Jesus' kingdom has been put the right way back up again. If our world is a mess, if our world is broken, if our world is falling apart, if our world is the outcome of the fall and judgment and the curse, Jesus is the one who comes and says, no, not that way, but my way. Jesus comes and puts everything back the right way again. And that thinking that I was describing about Paul's wasted years, we might be level-headed and reasonable enough to say, to see, no, they were never wasted years. But you know, so often that is the description that we have for ourselves and the situations that we find ourselves in. We all too easily believe that we can only be of use or that we can only be enriched when, well, when we get something, when we arrive somewhere else. It will be good, I will be good, I can be useful, I will benefit when X, Y or Z happens in my life. Or, I can only be of use, I can only be enriched and benefit and grow when some obstacle has been removed. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that thinking? People speak like this all the time in our church. But how we feel useless, how we feel powerless, how we feel like life is passing us by, or worse than that, that life is holding us back because we either lack something or there's something in our life that is preventing us, inhibiting us from moving forward. Like in Paul's story, if only he didn't have these chains. Or if only he was able to come more quickly into the Caesar's presence. I'll be useful in church once I've studied my Bible a bit more. Once I've got a stable and secure job and I know what life is about. Once I no longer have this sickness or this circumstance or this anxiety, I could be useful in God's kingdom. I could expect to grow in my faith and my relationship with Jesus, but not right now because I have a newborn to look after. Do you see how easy it is for us to have this wrong thinking in our lives? To think that so many um, restrictions are there, self-imposed restrictions that make today our present situation and scenarios and circumstances wasted. But Jesus says, and this story demonstrates to us, that in his kingdom, nothing is wasted. Nothing has been wasted throughout the book of Acts in so many different scenarios where people could have shrugged their shoulders and said, ah, well, if only, if only Paul didn't have that opposition in that place, if only these people hadn't spread lies about him, if only X, if only Y, if only Z, but nothing has been wasted. Time and time and time again, against our expectations, we have seen God at work through his people by his spirit, haven't we? And even in this story here, of Paul taking five years to go from being arrested to facing Caesar. Nothing is wasted. Amazingly, Paul still preached. 
Paul still preached at any opportunity. That sort of big overarching goal that he had in his life, or that specific goal of preaching before Nero, he was able to achieve no matter what chains were on his hands, no matter what court that he was before. Even when he came to Rome, he preempted the Jewish authorities coming up and spreading lies and malicious rumours. He wanted clear the air talks that turned into declaring and defending the kingdom of God. He witnessed to them, verse 23, from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God from the law of Moses and from the prophets, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus. That's not wasted time, is it? Or, or the time spent when no stars could be seen and the sun wasn't seen during the midst of the storms out on the sea wasn't wasted time. Paul spoke to those who he was with. He witnessed to those who he was with. When he was brought out time and time again before Felix, Felix waiting for that bribe, Paul was faithful. Paul preached, Paul declared it wasn't wasted time. He did the thing, he didn't let it hold him back. Actually, from our vantage point, we can look back and we can see more than that. Paul's prison time in Rome, when he was literally chained to his soldiers that he couldn't run off, was when he wrote books like Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Wonderful letters. Wonderful letters where you see, just in Paul's experience, how he's, he now knows that the kingdom of God is so much more than he'd given it credit for before. He blessed the churches that he, he wished that he could move freely amongst. He continued to bless churches through those letters, literally for thousands of years since. I've described it in terms of this being a waste of time, but in Christ's economy, it's impossible for that time to be wasted, or it needn't be time that was wasted. And we see Paul... What does this final, final declaration say? He proclaimed the kingdom of God, taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. Because Paul could be chained up, but the good news can never be chained up. And the good news is the power of God unto salvation. So it didn't matter what circumstances he found himself in, none of it could ever be a waste. I mentioned a moment ago Jesus and about how um, he spoke to his disciples about how his kingdom didn't align, didn't align with the world that they were used to operating in. Someone who wants to hold on to their life will lose it, but someone who loses their life for me will find it. Do you know what prompted that discussion? It was a discussion over his identity. He'd asked his disciples this really simple question. Who do people say that I am? And believe you me, there were loads of ideas. There were loads of answers to that floating around in Jesus' day. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or perhaps just one of the prophets. But Jesus asked them specifically, you who have walked with me, so far, you who have talked with me so much, you who have witnessed everything that goes on 
in my presence. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, never shy to be first, speaks up and he says this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He'd got it. Well, he'd at least sort of got it. That was certainly right. Jesus was this promised one, this rescuer, the anointed. God himself come to put everything right. Jesus commends him for that answer. But from that time on, Jesus began to teach his disciples how he was going to suffer. How he was going to die. And Peter said, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. How could it be that you, the rescuer, if you are the saviour, how can it be that the exalted one from God is going to die? Jesus says it's simple. Because how things work in my world is not how you've been trained by life in this world to expect things, to experience things. The Son of Man, to quote him somewhere else, has not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. See, with Jesus, nothing is wasted. Jesus saw that there was suffering that lay ahead from him. The rejection that this king would face, he knew, would be put to use in the most spectacular way. So that we could be cleansed, that we could be forgiven, that we could be washed clean, that we could have hope for a future, for eternal life. So that we could have our relationship with God restored. Nothing in Jesus' kingdom is wasted. So, so what? For you and I this morning, so what? Well, it says in the scriptures that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As we understand more of who God is, what he has done in Christ, what that means for us, that literally our lives will, will become different. And this is certainly a get your thinking straight kind of sermon. We need to stop expecting things to go the way that the world out there would happily have them go. We need to stop expecting things to go the way that the world out there would have them go. Because in Christ's kingdom, things aren't all messed up like they are out there they aren't upside down like they are with us in the world out there he's got everything back exactly where it ought to be and it's different specifically this morning we need to stop thinking that today where we find ourselves could ever be a waste of time we need to stop this mindset and this thinking that says, as soon as when I get X, then I can grow. We need to stop with the mindset that says, as soon as Y has been removed, then I can be of use. Because that is nonsense. Here is the true truth. In the kingdom of Christ, nothing is wasted. No moment, no situation, no scenario, no experience. God and his power at work in the gospel is 
there to be used at all times. Even in my suffering, yes. Even in my weakness, yes. Even at my age, I can ask that question, young or old or in between. Even at my stage of life, even with this newborn baby keeping me up at night, yes. And we might even go further and say, especially in those uncomfortable moments. Because it is in chains that Paul really needed to lean on the power of the gospel. It's when they faced opposition that Paul really needed to know the nearness of God. It's really when we are without or we are being held back that we need to, to flee to Christ. When you suffer, when you suffer well, faithfully, you do more for my faith, for your faith, for the faith of those around us, than when you're simply being enthusiastic and happy for Christ. You know that's true, don't you? You've experienced in your own life where you've witnessed someone going through something, uh, wanting for something, waiting for something to be removed. And they've gone deeper with Christ. They've gone, they've learned harder on him. They've retreated more into him for their security and their life. And that has done you the world of good. So many of us would say, I can be useful, I can grow, I can this, I can that. As long as things around me change, we might desire that those things change. We might pray that those things change. But God is at work even in the midst of those things. It's Jesus who speaks directly to us and says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect even in this scenario, the situation of weakness for you. Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah's ministry might be one that you say, Oh, if only, if only God had sent him to a people who were able, who were willing, who were ready to listen and to accept and to respond. You know, Jesus quoted these same, same words. Paul quoted these same words and he's saying nothing is wasted because if you won't listen, there are multitudes out there whom the Father has entrusted into Jesus' hands. Nothing will be wasted. There is literally no circumstance, no scenario in which this purpose that we have to know Jesus more, to make Jesus more known. That, that, that should be what our church is about, what each and every one of our lives should be about. And it doesn't matter where we find ourselves, by the power of God, that can still be achieved. It doesn't matter how weak you are, it doesn't matter how sick you are, it doesn't matter how uneducated, untrained, whatever it is, that purpose, the purposes of God, by the power of God, can still be achieved in our lives. Nothing is wasted in Christ's kingdom. One final word, perhaps to those tuning in this morning who aren't believers, who don't have that same confidence in the power of God. 
Perhaps you're someone who has been flirting near the edges of Christianity, near the edges of salvation in Jesus by faith in him. You've looked at the cross and you've said, I can see how that's useful, but not for today. Perhaps in the future. You know, I remember having a friend in school when I became a Christian. We had another very outgoing friend in school who was happy to tell anyone who would listen about Jesus the love, the kindness, the life that was available through him. And he turned to us and he said, you know what? I feel like becoming a Christian, but I think this is what I'll do. I think I will become a Christian at the end of my life when I've tried and I've experienced everything else. And the more I think about that, the more I think that was the waste, wasn't it? That's where the waste truly was. That he wanted to continue to live in darkness, that he wanted to continue to live in death, that he wanted to continue to live without a relationship with a father in heaven and a saviour seated on a throne and a spirit who dwells in us, that he wanted to be without for the rest of his life. That was the waste. Perhaps you're someone like that this morning. I beg you. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life keeping Jesus at arm's length. Just like us who have come to know Jesus need to realise that Jesus can be found and, and fulfilling in each and every situation. I promise you. I promise you that today is the day. Today is the day to, to know Jesus. To find hope. To experience life as it's supposed to be lived. Don't wait. Don't put it off for another occasion. Come to him. Cling to him. And for those of us who believe, what have we looked at in Hebrews recently? Hebrews chapter 3. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Poke, prod, provoke one another. When? Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not when certain things are put in place or certain things are taken away. But today. As long as it is called today. Nothing is wasted. Such is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord God, help us to be a church with right thinking, right expectations. Who realise that the only element we need in place is you in our lives and nothing will be wasted. When we have you, we have everything. And whether it's about being useful in your kingdom as we look ahead to a week of wanting to share our faith with others, or whether it's simply growing, drawing closer to you, nearer to you. Lord, there is no time, there is no circumstance, there is no scenario we find ourselves in where that cannot be the case. So let us learn from Paul, let us learn from the early church, let us learn from Christ that nothing needs to be wasted. Transform our minds. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.